Luke chapter 14. You all there? Luke chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath that they watched him closely. They did what? They watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had a dropsy. That's a swollen tissue disease and issue. And... And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and he healed him and let him go. And they answered him, and he answered them saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him in regard to these things. So he told a parable of those who were invited when he noted that how they how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to them who invited him, When you give dinner or supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors, lest you all lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, and the lame, the blind. Then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Father, thank you for this Sunday night service. And the moments remaining here, I ask, Lord, that you would release truth. You would give us all ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain, will endure forever. A light upon our path, a lamp unto our feet. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, just go ahead and do that right now. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm not giving you notes tonight, but I would encourage you to take them. It always helps. What's the task of a father? It's a good question to ask on Father's Day. What's the task of a father? What is it? What is the task of a father have? And we're not just saying husband; we're saying a father. What is the task of a father? It's to raise his children, to be the leader of his home, be Christ to his wife, to raise his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. One of the favorite scriptures of mine, I've quoted it many times here at KC is Exodus 29:29 talks about the garments of Aaron the high priestly garments will be anointed in his sons therein it's a picture that the high priestly garments of Aaron who are anointed for his office of high priest will be passed down to the generation that follows him his sons and then his sons will be anointed in those same garments it's a picture of synergy it's a picture of the of the generations coming together in, in, a, in, a, in a new anointing or anointings that cover over and a release of God's grace seems to me the task of a father is to give an inheritance to the next generation and I'm not talking about finances although it can be included 
Let me ask you, what is the inheritance you're passing on to your kids? Now, whether you're a father or a mother, it all applies. What is the inheritance that you're passing on to the next generation, whether you have children or not? We're all passing on something to somebody. Then we say, well, I'm not a leader. If you have influence anywhere, you're a leader. You could, there's many different places where you can lead. Some you can lead. How many of you know if you're at the very bottom, you can lead? You can be an example. You can be an example in your neighborhood. Come on, you can keep your yard high, high, you know, tight and clean. You can, you can be an example. How you drive. No, let's not. Let's not. All right. What is the inheritance? Ask yourself, what are you leaving to the next generation? Now, again, I'm not talking about money, but that could certainly be included. I'm not going to talk about that in this message. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about character. I want to talk about integrity. Honesty and generosity. Will you pass on to this next generation the character qualities of Christ, or will you not? He said, What does that have to do with our text? Well, basically everything. Let's look at the text. The text, Jesus here is really like the I mean, he's a major celebrity. You gotta know that he's been doing cool stuff throughout Galilee and Judea. He's been healing the sick. He's been preaching like a house on fire. Very controversial guy. I mean, he was loved and hated. They just, you know, they... I mean, he sent out the, the, the 12. He sent out the 70. He, I mean, it's just amazing. I love the book of Luke. It's one of my favorite accounts. love the gospel, the good news. He feeds the 5,000. Feeds the 4,000. He heals people. He raises the dead. He casts out devils. I mean, you got to know that when Jesus is coming to dinner, it's a major thing. So when we just read, and Jesus went to supper, it happened, verse 1, it happened as he went to the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. They watched him closely. He was invited. So Jesus, the celebrity Jesus comes. All the prominent, I believe the prominent religious leaders there, the Pharisees were there. And Jesus comes and they invite him for, for a Sabbath meal or Sabbath lunch. And if you look closely, we see Jesus being watched. They watched him closely. And he's being carefully watched because they wanted to catch him. I don't know how you might catch God, and if you did catch Him, what you would do. But here's Jesus invited to this meal, and, and to understand, they did not have microwaves. They didn't have prepackaged food. When you were going to have a meal, you had a set meal. You know how many people were coming. They were invited ahead of time, and there was an order of where they would sit. So Jesus comes there watching him closely. The whole thing is planned. They sit him next to the guy with the tissue issue. They sit him next to the guy who has swollen tissues. Whatever that means. Because they wanted to catch him in the trap. And Jesus in the midst of that 
he begins to ask them some questions. And I marvel at, at some of the things that Jesus does. You know, we read them like they're cute little stories, but I mean, that one with the coin, whose inscriptions on the coin? Give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God. So just be like, whoa, I think we got duped on that one. They can't ever catch him, and when they want to catch him, he passes through the midst of them. And yet when it was time, and the fullness of time came, he gave his life. It's amazing. I mean, these things that you read in Scripture, they're really evidence that he's God. Jesus exposes what was wrong, and he corrects, and he encourages you know, if you invite Jesus into your life, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be corrected. And if you don't like it, well then, you'll have a painful time with Him. One of the reasons correction comes is so that we can become more like Christ. Those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Discipline, instruction, and correction, reproof. All of those things are so that, so that we can train. Be trained by Him. So when somebody comes to correct you, whether they do it in the right way or the wrong way, just take the correction, eat the meat, spit out the bones, and quit being so offended. And understand that they can very well be an, an, an envoy or an ambassador, if you will, of the Lord to help you so you don't hurt yourself later on in your life. Or even now. So Jesus exposes these things. And in the exposing of these things, I see three character traits that he, he shows that we need to have as fathers, as mothers, as people to pass on to the next generation. And the first one is integrity. Everybody say it with me, integrity needs to be cultivated in your life. I was challenged by my son. I've read enough to understand that most pastors' kids, and I will just tell you this, I've, I've sort of guarded my, I'm going to talk to my children here, you guys look at me. I will tell you this, I, I haven't always, we've sort of hid this truth because we didn't want it to hurt you. The truth is this. They're like, what? <laughs> the truth is most pastors' kids don't serve God. And I will tell you why. Because their parents are hypocrites that when they get home, they don't live what they preach, and they don't keep their word, and they put other people and they put ministry before their own children. Look at me, guys. I will not do it. And if I do, make sure you rebuke me. Okay? Just like you did today, son. This week, anyway. I'm going to keep my word to my kids. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to keep your word to your kids. You need. And listen, if you gave your... Honestly, I didn't think I... I made a mistake in that... I probably shouldn't have told him I was going to go fishing this week. But I did. I wish I did. I wasn't, didn't plan right. I think we probably should have pushed it a little further. But I did give my word. Some of you gave your word. Don't give it back. That's not integrity. Jesus is talking to them. And he's realizing he's in a trap. And, he's, and, he, and he, quotes, he quotes, you know, basically exposing their hypocrisy. How many of you, if you had, a, if you had an ox fell in the... In the ditch, you wouldn't save him. But you put this guy with the tissue issue next to me. I'm going to heal him. 
And he exposes their own hypocrisy, a lack of integrity. You say, well, what do you mean? Listen, what you do is what will be birthed. That is what you are inheriting. Not what you're saying. Speech is important. Action is more important. St. Augustine said it this way. The greatest sermon is the one lived. Your kids watch you. And when you're home and, they call, and somebody calls you don't want to talk to. And they answer the phone. Not home. I'm not home. What are you teaching them? You're teaching them in certain instances it's okay to lie. That's, that's good. I'm going to encourage myself. Praise the Lord. Amen, Pastor. That's it. Whoa. Whoa. In certain instances, you're teaching them, if, oh, you're not home. No, you are home, but you're not going to take the phone call. That you're afraid of something or whatever. Now, there's times I don't take phone calls. There's times I'm sitting at my dinner, whatever. Somebody calls. Yeah, it's going to voicemail. Why? Because I need to put my family first for that moment. I'll get to it. Well, it doesn't mean you have to take every phone call. But don't get your kids to lie for you. Because what you're leaving an inheritance for then is a bunch of liars. You're teaching them it's okay to lie. It's okay to compromise. It is not okay to lie. It's not okay to exaggerate. I've had times when, during my preaching, I think I'm, I think I'm over it now. At least I hope I am. And if I'm not, my wife will be sure to help me. I think at times, you know... Well, even in our own mind, it's like I caught that fish, and it's just like it just gets bigger. You know what I mean? I mean, you really like it. Really, what? But when you go back to the picture, it was like this. But you imagine it like this. You know, evangelists—they have a tendency to exaggerate. You know, exaggerating is lying. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I, I try not to exaggerate. I really do. My wife helps me. She corrects me. I go, it was eight years. She goes four. Right from the front. Okay, I mean, I remember it is eight. It felt like eight. It was four. Okay, four. My wife's all, it's 35 miles an hour. How many of you thankful for being corrected? It doesn't always feel good, but it's good. Amen. Integrity. Are you passing on integrity to the next generation? They ought to see you tithe. They ought to see you read your word. They ought to see you pray. Though that is what you're leaving as an inheritance. How do you handle your income taxes? What are you doing in your home, in the private of your home? What movies do you watch? On your way home from church, do you backstab me and say, that was a garbage message you preached, that pastor? Do you know that happens? I don't think it happens here because I just believe it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> Call me deceived. Jesus, help me. I, I just, you know, love always hopes. I just hope it doesn't happen. That's all. Because I don't, I don't care about somebody talking bad about me. That happens regularly. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to do what God told me to do and everybody else, they can stick it. No, that's how you're supposed to live your life. You live your life. You do what's right. Everybody else, do whatever you want to do. I'm going to do what's right. You don't like me? Oh, well. 
statistically, there's only two or three people that like you anyway. Might as well just obey God. Don't be moved by public opinion and what people think about you. I mean, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. No doubt. We all like being encouraged. I do, just like you do. Sure. Absolutely. But when it comes down to it, it's God's approval for me that means more than anything. And sometimes I'm tested on that. But, you know, I like hearing my... I'm, I'll tell you, just about after every service, I ask my wife, I preach it right? She goes, oh, you're the bomb. No. No, she says something like, yeah, it was pretty good. Or... Well, I was good. Or, you know, I mean, she tells me the truth. Or she says, you know, you shouldn't have said that one part. I didn't like that. It really bothered me. When I say things like, you stupid thing, you, or stuff like that. If you begin to tear down leaders, then your kids will tear down leaders. You know, I was over a Christian's house. They don't go to our church, but they they go to the church. And they were absolutely berating and destroying Barack Obama. Talking about, I mean, all kinds of jokes on and on about what a loser he is and how terrible he is. Can I tell you something? If you do that, you ought to shut up. Stop. Do I agree with with what he's done? Mostly no, I don't. But he is our president, and I will pray for him. And, I, and he is, he, if you're a part of America, he's your president. He doesn't need somebody speaking word curses and bringing accusation. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Okay, well, he, he's not brethren. Maybe he is. Who knows? God knows. You talk to people that are close to him, he's received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That's what they say. Now, he doesn't believe the Word of God like you and I believe the Word of God, but they say that he's actually believed. People on the inside, I've talked with people, people that, that have talked with them openly. You say, well, he lied when he said, well, maybe he did. But the point is, is that we need to de- declare and proclaim an atmosphere of blessing. And if we bless him, then maybe God could take that man like he did Abraham Lincoln and turn his heart. Abraham Lincoln was the great emancipator. Maybe God could turn Barack Obama's heart in the next year. And he could overturn Roe versus Wade. Maybe. But if we continue to hurl curses and insults and call down fire, we don't know know how much power and authority we have. Yeah, I don't agree with most of his his things. Not biblical. Some of those decisions are anti-Christ. Move the borders of Israel? Have you stinking bumped your head? No. Jesus, help him. Amen. We're not going to curse him. Right? Somebody's like, we need to expand the borders. I don't know how I got onto that. But but don't undermine leadership. The position of the presidency should just be honored simply because it's the presidency of the United States of America and we're honorable people. Even when people are not doing things worth honor, you're honorable. Release honor where you can. All right. Amen. I didn't vote for him anyway, but praise the Lord. God, turn his heart. Everybody say it. God, turn his heart. May he make decisions to touch our country. Does it make sense? We have to have integrity in the way that we live. The second thing that you see, verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you 
him come to you and say, give this place to a man. He, he begins to talk about humility. Humility. What he does is he quotes a proverb out of Proverbs 25, verse 6 through 7. He's really sharing a parable. Humility is one of the greatest virtues, but over the years it's been downsized and degraded. Now, if you've been around a little while, you remember Muhammad Ali. And I've said this before, but really I think Muhammad Ali was the first guy to ever say the most audacious thing that we ever heard over TV. It was never said before. I am the greatest. That's what he said. Do you know who said that before him? Relatively nobody. And there was this whole there was this whole thing of self and pride. The crazy thing was like he was the greatest, but I mean <laughs> he was an amazing boxer and gifted. But he said, I am the greatest. I don't know exactly how it happened. Part it's like a, a paper lion of self-esteem that psychologists brought into the church and into America. You have to build up your self-esteem. You love yourself. Can I tell you something? The problem is we love ourselves too much. That's the problem. And we've created a narcissistic society. Can I preach tonight? Is that okay? Narcissists. You know what that is? You know what narcissists is? They love, they're into themselves. They're into me. What's in it for me? It's a whole me generation. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's about others. So, you know, I mean, even in schools, we insulate. We have a tendency to insulate our children from failure. Don't puff your kid up to make him think that he's the greatest thing. When I mean, you build him up and you speak life. But if he fails, let him fail. Why? It's good for you. Can I tell you something? We went fishing. Now, I just, I know this. I am, I am my children's hero to a certain degree. If nobody can do it, Dad can. Dad can do it. He's strong. Watch him lift the stuff. And, and you know something? Honestly, I pick up stuff that I probably shouldn't pick up at times just so my kids can see me pick it up. Come on, all the guys out there, say amen. You're like, whoa, that was whoa. And I walk him in this thing. Argh praying in tongues. I'm serious. I do stuff on purpose giving glory to God. I'll pray. I'll move things. I'll do stuff so that my kids are like, whoa. That's El Shaddad. You know, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. So when we went fishing the other day and I didn't catch the biggest fish, Dad with dominion walking with the Lord, I prayed I prayed in tongues. I said out loud, God, you prepared a fish. I've prayed that prayer so many times. And times God's come through. Many times. Many times God's come through. Come on, some of you are on that dip net trip. Do you remember that dip net trip? Nobody's catching anything. Everybody in the church is just hauling them in. And God, for some unknown reason, would give me like three and four at a time. Do you remember that? You remember that, Jenny? You remember? It was crazy. It was crazy. I had pe- we had people coming up to us going, how are you doing that? And I would say, it's Jesus. He's blessing us. We, we went out there and push our nets in. Nobody's catching anything. I forget. It. Maybe Paul was there. Some of you guys were there. And, 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 and somebody says, Pastor, why don't you pray? Nobody's catching anything on the river. So I say, God, would you give me a fish in Jesus' name? 
And people are like, whoa, that's kind of weird. It happened three times in a row. I put the fish in. Nobody caught a fish. Come back out. God, would you do it again? Bring my fish in. Come back out. Put the net in. This guy says, dude, do it again. I went, no, that's enough. (laughs) Didn't catch a fish for another 45 minutes. I thought it would be like that, but you know what? It was a humbling time where we catch, saw people catching fish all around us. We didn't catch anything. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to allow your kids to fall. I don't mean backslide. I mean trip. Do something where they... Where they I, don't, I don't mean put them in harm's way. But I mean, it's okay, because if you don't allow them to fail, then they'll never know the pain of that. And you know what? If you want to be the best, you're going to have to practice. If you want to be anointed of God, my my daughter's growing in her giftings with piano and singing. But it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it's easier for some, other times it's, it's easier for others. She has to practice. She's gifted, but she practices. But that, that allows for humility. Don't, don't, don't breed narcissism in your home. Some of your, some of your, you know, your children or your cousins maybe. You've protected them so much and even, even, even lied and done things that are wrong to keep them from going to jail. Can I tell you something? Some kids need to go to jail. Can I say that? Is that all right? I will tell you, we, ba- we never bail anybody out. Ever. So if you're ever in jail, call me. I'll pray for you. We'll visit you. We ain't bailing you out. Why not? Because if you're in jail, come on, God's on the throne. He knows, he knows what's going on. If you ended up in jail, you might should have been there. Maybe. Oh, not me. How many times have we got to hear that? I mean, Pastor, Pastor, you need to help my son. He's in jail again. I said, your son's a jerk. Call Pastor Karen quick. Oh, no, no, he's just going through a phase. He's 30 years old. He's still selling dope. He's not going through a phase. He's bound. He's addicted. He's in bondage. You need to do a 40-day fast and pray until your son wakes up. And if he's in jail so that he doesn't die and head to hell, then hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm going to encourage myself again, praise God. Amen, Pastor. That, that's a good word right there. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I don't know how we got on that, but integrity, humility. Humility is a character that, that God is desperately trying to get into all of us. James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you want grace, unmerited favor? Yeah. Just humble yourself and you get some. You know what? Can I just thank you? I just want to thank God. You know what I'm thanking God for? I turned 45 on July 1st. And you know something? I'm so happy. I don't know about 50, but I'm really happy about 45. I'm so happy that I'm not as stupid as I used to be. 
and would not I wouldn't be I wouldn't be 21, 22, 23 years old. No way. I mean, God bless you, you know. I'm just telling you, it was way painful the things I went through. I mean, I just, you know, the pencil sharpener in the finger, you remember? Oh, yeah, oh, God. Yeah, and then I would do it over and over again. I was so full of myself and full of pride. God just had to wait for me. Because He can't help you if you're full of yourself. He just waits till you get humbled. I don't like being humble. But it's good. Amen. All right. What are you passing on to the next generation? Are you passing on integrity? Are you passing on humility? You need to. These are character qualities of the kingdom. Jesus taught them here at this feast, the Sabbath lunch. I want to say one more thing with regards to humility, and I'll move on to the next point. One of the things that I've found sad is when the Lord is trying to bring somebody to a place of humility and somebody steps in to try to save them. How many times I've seen that, I can't tell you. If somebody's going through hardship, guess what? It could be because they've done things that are absolutely off the chart out of agreement with the word of the Lord and they've made decisions by which they're now ending up in trouble. Now, that is mostly the case. On top of that, the devil's a bad devil and we will bind and we will loose and we will beat back the hordes of hell off of everybody all the time. But when somebody makes continued decisions that destroy their life, What you can do is pray, but don't you get in the way of the hammer that's trying to forge Christ on the inside of them. Don't you stop the hammer. And there's lots of ways that people try to do that. Don't be codependent for the love of God. It's a bondage. It's a bondage. Yeah, we need to love each other. We need to have mercy. We need to help each other. We need to show grace. But many times people are stopping the hand of the Lord from bringing somebody to a place of brokenness. And as a result, they continue on this pattern because people keep trying to rescue them. All right. The next point of leaving an inheritance. You're going to leave an inheritance of integrity. You want to leave an inheritance of honesty. And thirdly, you want to leave an inheritance of generosity. Jesus talks here of reciprocity. You know what that means? It means you do something for somebody and you expect that something's going to come in return. That is not the way that you should live your life. You don't give to somebody so that you can get. Now, we've said it this way. You give to the Lord so you can get, so you can give. (laughs) We've said it that way, and I suppose that's all right. But don't, don't tithe so that you can just be blessed. It is a byproduct, absolutely, of tithing and living in God's economics. God's pattern of living. Tithe, give. Yes, you'll end up blessed. But don't do it so you can just get something. 
You, you, you do it because the Lord says to. You sow a seed, and there is the principle of sowing, sowing seed and believing for a harvest and all of those things and walking in faith. Generosity should, run, should, should rule your life. Everything that you have really belongs to God. Jesus is encouraging us to, to see giving from heaven's perspective. And that really, he, it's this, the final verse, I believe it's verse 14. And you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There is a time when all of the seed that you've ever sown, and all of the blessing that you've ever released, and all of the generosity that you've given... It is not unnoticed by God. It might go unnoticed by those around you. You might not receive an applaud or accolade or a ring or a robe. You might not receive an award or an acknowledgement. But as you do it unto the Lord, God will reward you in the end. And there are rewards in heaven and there are losses. And I probably am overdue for preaching a message on the judgment seat. We need to understand that 500 years from now, you're going to be alive. And the way that you live now will be end up the reward that you have. You might not be popular with man. You might not have a big ministry. You might not have a multi-million dollar business. And you may. The truth is, you just need to do what God told you to do with the giftings and the talents that He gave you. And then at the end, whatever that produces as you're faithful and you're loyal and you work hard and you live in integrity and righteousness and truth and you use the gifts that God's given you, if that produces some big mega thing, praise God. But if it produces just a... I would tell you, this has set me free. Because I thought for years I'd pastor a church of thousands of people and maybe that'll come and maybe it won't. I don't know. All I know is I'm going to preach like a dying man to dying people and that this might be the last message that I ever preach and I'm going to live full throttle for God. I'm going to impart everything I got to my kids. I'm going to just blow up for Jesus everywhere I go. Whenever that releases, well, hallelujah, that'll be God's plan for me. If he decides that we'll have a church of 50 people, or he should tell me to do something else, then I will do it. And so should you. Don't worry about what it looks like. We're not living for the reward now. If you're living for it now, very disappointing. Huh. Make your life a lifestyle of generosity. And teach that. Give that to an inheritance to your kids. Model it. Model giving. Model model generosity in your life. As fathers, as mothers. Leave an inheritance to your kids of integrity, humility. And lastly, from this text, generosity. What are you leaving as an inheritance? Micah, would you come? God's speaking to us about these character traits and qualities. In your family. At your job, are you living out loud for Jesus like that? Integrity, humility, and generosity will counteract. They counteract the whole world system. They counteract the system of Babylon. They counteract it. And you need to live like that. That's what it is to be salt. People might think it's strange that you have integrity. You let somebody else go first. You take the back seat. Do it. Go 
God will elevate you. God will bless you for it. And don't even do it for the fact that you'll be blessed. Do it because it's right. Leave an inheritance that will counteract the world system in your kids. My daughter gave me a card. I, I wish I had it. As I read it at, my, at the table with my very anointed fresh cup of Starbucks brewed in my own house. With a chocolate chip cookie that was off of the batch that we made to give to all the men today. And by the way, if you don't want your cookies, you can just bring them to the front and I'll take them for you. And and my son, my son blessed me with his card too. As I read the card, my daughter said something, Dad. I'm learning the lessons that you're teaching me. And I thought, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. I'm learning the lessons that you're teaching me. And I thought, Jesus, I hope I'm teaching all the good ones, Lord. The truth is, I'm very aware of what my shortcomings are. And you know what? My kids are aware of them too. And I've had to repent over and over and over. I think we're good though, right? You need to learn to repent to your kids. Because then they will then receive an inheritance of learning a lifestyle of repentance. Being humble, broken. People of generosity, integrity, humility. Let's leave an inheritance like that. Leave a real inheritance. It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with a walk that pleases the Lord, raises up children, brings an impartation of truth. What will you leave your children? Don't blow your own horn. Let God blow your horn. What will you leave your kids? Be careful how you live. How many of you say tonight the life that I'm living? I mean, don't you don't need to raise your hand, but ask yourself this question in application to what I preach as I close. The life that you're now living, that's what you 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 would want to see that modeled in your kids. I say, yeah, absolutely. And then and then I think, oh, no, 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 no. There's some stuff I don't want modeled. There's absolutely some stuff. What's it for you, Pastor? I'll tell you what it is. I don't know why I always fry my own bacon. Jesus, help me. Helps me be accountable, you know. I, at times, I can be short. I can, I can be snappy with, and, you know, like angry with my kids. I don't mean throwing stuff. and I don't beat them. I don't abuse my children. I don't do that. But I can be short with them. You know, and raise my voice. I don't, you know, you don't very, you don't need to raise your voice to train your kids. Just have consequences. You don't ever really need to yell. Did you know that? Just have consequences. Yeah, we usually end up yelling because we're frustrated because we didn't follow through on what was the right thing to begin with. We've told them five times. Not my kids. They always do it on the first time. Oh, that's exaggerating. Now my kids are wonderful. 
And they're in training, just like I am. Usually we get frustrated, you know. Johnny, don't climb up the ladder and get to the cookie jar. Don't climb up the stool to get to the cookie jar, Johnny. And you're on the phone, and Johnny's climbing. Johnny! Oh, wait, oh, wait hold on, hold on. Johnny, I told you, don't, 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 don't do that. Okay, Mom. You turn around, you look back, he's three quarters. I told you not to climb up there to get the cookies. Okay. You go back on the phone, you look back, his hand's in the jar. How many times do I, I have to go? And then you just lost your mind already because you've been dishonored, disrespected, and your kid didn't obey you. Can I tell you something? It's your fault. Because the first time you told him and he didn't obey, he should have consequences. Whatever those consequences should be. If you're not sure how to do that, just come on Tuesday nights to their class upstairs. What time? Six o'clock upstairs. They're halfway through. Catch the last half and you can go through it again when we restart it. I'm going to tell you, most of us don't know how to raise our kids. And so what you teach them, when you don't teach them to obey the first time, you're teaching them, listen to me, this might sting, but you're teaching them that it's okay that they don't obey God the first time. And I will tell you, it is not okay to not obey God the first time. And you are God to them and the way that you live. We think that, oh, we just want to love them. Come on, tell you, love disciplines people. Love corrects. Love instructs. Love, love does that. Love has boundaries. Thank you for Jesus. So let's pass on an inheritance that's lasting to contradict the system of Babylon. Let's pass on honesty, integrity, rather, humility, and generosity. What are you passing on? Are you passing that on? I don't want to pass on having a short wick and being angry. I don't want that. It's something that, I mean, I was, was, was working out with my kids and we got to this really hard section and my daughter was suffering through it. Are you on track? I'll pray for you. Okay. My daughter was suffering through it and I found my, the sound of my father coming out of my mouth. It was the freak. Does anybody know what kind of a freaky thing that is? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? She's saying, I'm I'm hurt, I'm hurt. I said, suck it up. You need to learn to suck it up too. That's okay. I said, suck it up. It's not really hurt. I said, you can play in pain, but you cannot play injured. So decide which one it is. That's my father. And I thought, that's a little hard for an 11-year-old. I said, it's something like that, right? Her shoulder. Okay. So, I mean, and that's the truth in sports. You can play in pain. You can't play injured. You're injured. You need to be off. And so I said that as I'm dying myself. <laughs> you can play in pain, but you can't play injured. So decide. And I thought, that's exactly like my father. And I said that as I'm, as I'm doing my thing. I, I said, I said, I said, my son, like my father, Jesus, help me. I don't want to pass that on. I don't want to pass. I don't want to make. I'm not going to make my kids into sissies who can't take pain and push themselves for their own flesh either. I'm raising kids that will overcome their flesh. Absolutely. But not in a way that I rule over them uh, and control them with my anger to do the right thing or you're going to get it. They're going to do the right thing because that's what you do when you love God. That's what you do. 
You don't obey me or else. You, o- you obey because God's word says, honor your father and mother, obey your father and mother, have a long life. You obey because of the word, not because of the consequences. What are you passing on? Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. I think I'm going to repent again for my own shortcomings. I know I might be one of the only ones here that has shortcomings, but just in case, you can join me right now. Go ahead, just repent for where you've fallen short, for things you might have done. Lord, forgive us for where we did things or modeled things that weren't biblical or right. We certainly don't want to be hypocrites. Actors who want to do the right thing. When people are watching and when people are not, we want to live right before you. Before We want to live before your throne. We want to live openly before you. You're, you, you see us. You know our rising up. You know our setting down. And Lord, for where we've fallen short, God, forgive us. Now, Lord, we commit. Come on, now commit yourself to leave an inheritance for your children. And even if you're 50 or 60 years old and you're just going, man, I, I, I don't think I've done very good. Well, start now. Start now. Let the blessed be under the blood. If you're younger, make a decision to live for God. Integrity, it counts. Humility, generosity. So, Father, on this Father's Day, we ask you, God, to help us. It takes you to live for you. Holy Spirit, help us, convict us, quicken us as we pray, as we read your word. May we be a people of self-control. May we be a people who are of integrity. We keep our word. Our word would be our bond. We would say what we mean and mean what we say. We'd keep our word to our kids. We'd keep our word to each other. We'd keep our vows to you. You're serious about all of that stuff. Whether people can see or they can't, Lord, we would live in integrity. We would live in humility. Lord, forgive us for pride. Forgive us for arrogance. Forgive us, Lord, for demanding our own way and for being narcissistic in our culture, in our own personal lives. But what's in it for me syndrome. Make us a people. <laughs> Make us a people of humility and brokenness, considering others more important than ourselves. May we be poured out like a drink offering for you. And God, make us a people of generosity, not greed. A people of generosity. Generous on every occasion. Generous with our words and encouragement. Generous in our finances. Generous in our actions and in service. Generous because you are a generous God. We want to be a generous people. And we thank you. And we praise you. Come on, just lift your hands and thank and praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll impart these things to the next generation. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor. One last scripture. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of one of what he has and does, does not come from the Father from the world.
break any love for the world that we might have. You, oh God, these three things, integrity, humility, and generosity, is the antidote to the poison being pervaded and pushed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the answer. So we thank you. May we walk in them, Lord, all the days of our life. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Put your hands together for God. Come on, give a shout to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Take someone by the hand and we'll close tonight. Thank you for turning out on a Sunday night. Years ago they said you can't have a Sunday night service, nobody comes. So that might be your name. Any nobodies here? That's I mean it's us. Amen. The nobodies. We're here. Hallelujah. Getting fed. Hungry for Jesus. God, thank you for your precious people as they go, as they stay, as they talk, as they have fellowship. Lord, for your blessing. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me emphasize one thing. Tuesday night, of course, Holy Ghost night. Don't miss it. It's going to be tremendous. Also, Friday night, the Hammonds will be with us. 7 o'clock. Tell everybody you know. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Twitter. Call your friends down in the peninsula. Call your friends up in Fairbanks. Let's have a, let's have a tremendous move of God Friday night, Saturday morning at 10. Sunday morning. Come on. God's on the throne. Devil's been defeated. God bless you. Praise the Lord.